No credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us once again on the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we are talking about album number 45 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 greatest albums of all time list. This is The Band by The Band, self titled album. Uh, often referred to as the Brown Album. Standing by your window in pain, pistol in your hand. Oh, yeah, that's right. Another got a little a little bit of Canadian content here. That's true. The Canadian uh, is this. What's this? The third one? I think it's the third one. Right. So far, the band and Joni Mitchell Sec- have already second appeared. one, but yeah, the band. Yeah. That's right. So we did Joni Mitchell. We did the band's first album, and this is the band's second album. So we'll jump right into it before we get into some of our thoughts on it. Had you listened to this album before? Uh, sort of. This is a, a, a bit of a cheater album for me. When I knew that we were beginning this project, I I skimmed through the list. I think one of our very early episodes, midweek episodes, was on the Canadian content on this list. And uh, the band shows up a number of times, and they're a band <laughs> that I had never really listened to at all before embarking on this project, aside from uh, a few radio hits. I'm not even sure I would have been able to say which radio hits were theirs. Um, but I, right. but for some reason, I skipped over music from Big Pink and gravitated to this album and almost from the beginning of this project have been listening to it off and on. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we had uh, a really great interaction with music from Big Pink. Uh, soon after that, um, we sat down with some good friends and watched The Last Waltz. And so the, right. the, the, the myth and the story around this group kind of grew for me. My appreciation uh, grew over both of those experiences. And, and um, returning now to this music that I've, like I said, been listening to off and on has been an absolute joy. It's like, it feels like returning to an old favorite, even though, <laughs> you know, a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have been able to say uh, anything about this album. Um, this one felt familiar over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this episode, um, and and yeah, so it's been it's been great. So uh, no, I guess is the <laughs> the short answer to that question. Uh, I'm not very familiar, except that it feels like I am uh, for some weird reason, uh, partially because over the year and a half uh, that we've been doing this project, I, I have been somewhat more familiar with this album. How about you? I guess as time goes on, that that question will be harder and harder to answer because we might have listened to it two years earlier but that would have been within the time we started this project. right right we've never talked about this before i i have a tendency to sort of jump ahead whereas you seem um to have a greater sort of self-control to say okay next album is this one i'm going to focus on that one and uh <laughs> and, and not skip too far ahead um so yeah, I, I cheat the system a little bit uh, occasionally. I just find it hard to to jump ahead until I yeah. finished <laughs> all the tasks associated with that one thing. So if it means you know yeah. we haven't recorded and edited, yeah. that I have a hard time moving. I could <laughs> usually only go maybe two or three albums ahead before I go. Oh, that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah no it's it's funny i i opened up spotify this evening to sort of get ready again and um there's a a listing of the albums in your heavy rotation and uh right now uh patty smith's horses uh, is up there an album in this uh, block of 10 uh the frozen yeah. 2 soundtrack because my kids have been listening to that non-stop lately <laughs> and the band's sure, your Brown album which i think has been sort of in that heavy rotation for a long time it just sort of <laughs> huh. it keeps lingering there so um yeah it's it's interesting what does the band have in common with frozen 2 both on my heavy rotation <laughs> there you go bingo <laughs> um i i this is funny i'll say probably the same thing i said about music from big pink i knew at least half the tracks because i have one of their greatest hits compilations so i knew a lot of the songs and all the radio hits uh, and even the ones i didn't know there's just this familiarity because i really enjoy this group i don't know why i never wanted to get into individual albums by the band yeah isn't that funny uh, like there's other bands which it is like we talked about two weeks ago talked about pink floyd and i just at one point had this hunger to hear all their albums and kind of go through a good portion of their catalog the band i have i haven't had this desire even though i really really like their music um it's another group and we might talk about this a little later there seems to be at least in my mind a big difference between their radio hits and their deep cuts the songs on the record that are not radio hits are some of them are very different especially music from big pink and even we'll hear it here like there are a lot of them that are not quote radio friendly and that doesn't mean they're not good and it doesn't mean i don't like them but they are very very different you know when you're recording music which ones will be popular you can put on the radio and which ones won't be and even if you really like them you're like ah this would never fly uh, yeah, so i yeah. think there's a lot of that on this album as well that's not to say they're not good or listenable or that i don't like them but there is a big difference and i think with the band that gap is maybe even a little wider because they're so creative and i don't know if i'd say experimental but they really do push the envelope on certain things and this is mostly robbie roberts and he writes the vast majority of their music and lyrics yeah it's it's diverse it's rich and some of it is a, a little out there not 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 like weird experimental 60s, 70s out there, but just just a little different musically and some of it more complicated. So maybe that's another reason why I've never really been inspired to listen to some of the other stuff, but I'm glad I have now. Yeah. Because <laughs> this, is, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, there have been a few um, artists on this list so far that I have seen coming up uh, on the list and thought, oh, good, I've always wanted an opportunity to... Um, listen to them and i've been very happy that we've been that we've been able to tackle them but i haven't felt like uh a huge chunk of my life has been wasted without them the band feels very different where i'm like what what was i doing all these years this band (laughs) this band is great why why didn't i do a deeper dive and 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 you know it there's so much good music out there it's not it's nothing we should be hung up on but um for as big of a part, maybe this is similar to the way that you experienced Joni Mitchell's Blue. Um, you know, just so the music ends up just consuming you and you sort of wonder how you ever existed without it. Well, I have lots of 
comments and opinions and things I want to say, but let's do some details first, and then we can just let loose on all the things we love about this album. Sound good? good? Yep. Details. 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 So this album was released September 22nd, 1969. Um, this is their second album. Their first album, which we already talked about, Music from Big Pink, was released the year before. All the songs were written by Robbie Robertson, and there's a few of them have co-credits, but he's the primary songwriter. I think for most of their career, uh, certainly for this album, this album charted uh, number nine on the U.S. Billboard Pop Charts. Um, I didn't have a charting for other countries. Again, sales are tricky, but I do have that in the U.S. Uh, it's gone platinum, which is one million. So not quite as high as some of the other albums we've talked about but not shabby and also the other thing we've mentioned this before when we review an album from you know 40 50 years ago and we see the sales we don't really get the timeline of that yeah we talked about other albums recently where they took you know till almost now to get to certain numbers and other ones where the vast majority of it was right away Um, yeah yeah so it's hard to tell, but I don't think this is one of the most successful albums we've talked about so far in terms of sales, but I think still a very memorable one, and one that was known at the time. Um, a few notes on the on the recording of this album, which I thought were interesting. They were trying to record in New York and attempted, and it wasn't successful. So they had rent the band had rented. A house in the Hollywood Hills and they set up recording in the pool house of that home um, and at the time that home was owned by Sammy Davis Jr. and it had formerly been owned by Judy Garland so uh, wow probably a pretty have <laughs> probably a decent sized shack they were in right um, and that's uh, I guess that's where the magic happened and when I hear I don't know Ben maybe you know because you lived closer to that neck of the woods What's a pool house like? When I when I hear pool house in Canada, I think of the tiny little shack where your pump and all your chemicals go. Uh, but that's not a pool house in the Hollywood Hills. It's like a guest house, right? Yeah, you remember where uh, Carlton and Will lived on the Fresh Prince? Yeah, kind of like the, <laughs> the sort of backyard it's, it's, hangout it's, by the pool. It's like the rec room, but uh, with with some it's more. An, well, it's another house. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a little. Yeah, it's a little apartment yeah so that that's where they recorded it seems like with that kind of a uh track record of tenants that uh you just sort of have to push record and some kind of brilliance is going to be coming out <laughs> yeah this is kind of the in the in the air in the air according to the the producer john simon uh robbie robertson took over most of the engineering for the record what he says is that Robbie was hungry for knowledge, so I showed him how to make an album from a technical point of view. And I imagine Robbie, you know, very much in control and really just desiring to... You know, he's kind of the leader of the band in terms of the the vision and the direction. Um, Yeah. And we see that even, you know, when we watched The Last Waltz. Their demise as well. He he was basically the one who decided... uh, okay we're done now and you know that was in 78 and then it wasn't only a few years later that the band decided 
without him, well, <laughs> we still want to keep playing so they hit the road again just without yeah. him. Yeah, and uh, so this is this album is viewed as a concept album with the songs focusing on uh, people, places, and traditions associated with an older version of Americana. And you'll hear that in some of the themes uh, in songs like The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down and King Harvest. Jawbone. There's 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 a lot of themes of kind of uh, either kind of Civil War era or you know just older Americana and um, the pictures they took. I don't think for this album, but I think some of the photos they took for music from from Big Pink. They're kind of dressed in Civil War attire. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like such a risk for uh, a group with you know. Um, four-fifths of their members being from Canada to try and write an Americana album and not just a, a an album that captures a sound but you know with the intentionality of, of lyrics like I, I've heard people talk about the night they drove old Dixie down sounds like they're covering a song that's been played for hundreds of years you know it sounds like it sounds like they're uh, they're just putting their own version on a, a classic story from the civil war and it's it's their creation and i i, I don't know um it seems like a really bold risky undertaking to try and do that and somehow they execute it quite well um so much so that um in this sort of uh, recent years of uh, you know trying to reclaim the confederacy i i think this song often gets used as a sort of oh like, boy. look, our, our cause is justified. And, and I think like, you know, the, the, there's something kind of hilarious about taking a, a song written by a Canadian and uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> using it to justify uh, the rise of the American South. But um, yeah, there's this, I don't know. It just seems like an awful lot for them to have, have, have tried to tackle and, and they end up doing it quite well. Um, for, for the night they drove old Dixie down specifically, uh, apparently, in um, in his biography, in his autobiography, Levon Helm talks about Robbie going out to the library to sit and read historic books about the Civil War, so that his lyrics were actual, uh, actually tied to the moments and the figures and the history of that time. Wow. So it wasn't it wasn't just like he was like kind of off the cuff making stuff up as he went along, but really trying to make it um, seem authentic and real to the moment in time. Yeah. Um, it's just really fascinating that like, I don't know. Can you think of anyone else who's, who's trying to um, write someone else's history in music that doesn't really apply to their own culture or, or context? Like it just seems, you know, it could have just mailed, it, it could have really failed miserably. And, and instead I think it's, it's held up even by people from the South as like this wonderful composition <laughs> and um, says a lot, I guess, about their, their greatness. The only person I can think of is uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did oh, that oh, with yeah. Hamilton yeah. and kind yeah, of wrote it. Right, right. There, there were some similarities. It takes, it takes real genius, I think, to, to like make a oh, move yeah. that strong. And to, and to succeed, oh. <laughs> as Hamilton has done. Well, that's a um, yeah. That's a huge risk, right? To to yeah. go and take that and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna cast you know all these people who were white people as 
uh, people of visible minority or vis- visibly right. different skin color, and but it's still going to be about <laughs> this story. But he did a he did a lot of research. I know his research started with uh, uh, Ron Chernow's Chernow his book on Hamilton, and that's where he was inspired. But I think he I th- he, I know he took some liberties, but that's the first thing that I thought of. Although I do agree with you. Is very interesting. I, I I can imagine that just spending time with Levon Helm, you know, some of that would have rubbed off just his kind of passion for for his upbringing, where he came from. Yeah, and also they had spent, you know, they had they had been in America for a while now, touring on the road. Yeah. Um, spent some time with one of the greatest storytellers and songwriters ever. Uh, in Bob Dylan, yeah. so I can see a lot of that rubbing off on a yeah. young Robbie Robertson. But yeah, it is a risk, and I think it's. I think it, I, I I love the the night they drove Old Disky down. That's a great song. You know, you and I um, in high school and college, uh, you know, went all the way down to pick sweet corn in in Georgia and Southern Ohio, and I remember like there there is something quite. Uh, uh, mystical about southern culture that feels very different than what we grew up in mm. um and yeah it's not hard to like fall under that spell uh, you know <laughs> for us sometimes it was just a struggle to understand what people were saying with their thick southern drawl um <laughs> but but it, it really does feel otherworldly i think to to those of us from canada especially but even i think Americans who grew up in the northern half of the country, um, it it really does feel like a world away, and and there is something kind of compelling about uh, about its myth and legend and lore. And so, yeah, I can see why they might have been drawn to it, uh, but still, yeah, it does feel like just kind of a, a bold move to to take that on. When I hear this music and other music by the band i know that they're canadian and i'm proud that they're canadian but when i hear it i don't think that that oh that sounds canadian right right <laughs> you know yeah. i don't think i don't even know what that is what a canadian sound is yeah. we could probably point to a few different things uh, but it probably wouldn't be this uh mm-hmm. and i and i don't know that i'd say that it necessarily sounds american either but it sounds like the folk rock that was happening at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think if you didn't know that they were Canadian, you would just assume it's an American band. Right. <laughs> right. Why, why not, you know? <laughs> um I I want to move on if you don't mind to the cover here. Yeah. Which I I don't know. To me this is the cover that when you say the band album this is the one that i think of and i even wonder ben if when you were scrolling through albums on this list early on and you passed by their first one and dropped on this one i wonder if it's because of the album cover <laughs> yep i think you might especially right. when you compare yeah. this to the the weird painting by bob dylan on uh, the music from big pink <laughs> so um just uh, three quarters of this album cover is a, a black and white or maybe sepia uh, f- 
colored photo of the group above that it's it's brown colored um, and then in relatively small block capital letters it just says the band at the top in the center and this shot is from about just below the waist up uh, of the 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 five guys standing outside somewhere on maybe a little path uh, they're all wearing uh, what I would call overcoats um, not necessarily trench coats Robbie might be wearing a leather coat um, Garth Hudson looks like he's kind of wearing an old man sweater uh, which <laughs> <laughs> he kind of, he's kind of looked the same age for about 50 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, he always kind of looked looked a little older um, they're all looking quite again except for Garth they're all looking quite serious uh, at the camera uh, it, these are you know younger very young versions of the guys um, but with some of their beards I think Levon and, and Garth they do look a little kind of experienced a little older the newest album by Coldplay Everyday Life um, the band is depicted as a sort of uh, part of an old timey ensemble they're all holding kind of classic right. instruments and uh, it looks like intentionally staged to be from another era I that's the feeling I get it when I look at this cover too. Like this, this photo does not look like it was taken in uh, 1969. This, <laughs> this photo looks like it was taken 50 years before that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it could have been. They, they don't look like they're trying to be trendy or current or whatever. They're kind of in there. Yeah. And I don't think I'd say that they're in costumes. I know that I referenced another photo where they were sort of costumed up I wanted to touch on something you mentioned earlier that you know feeling this is feels familiar and when I look at this picture I I think some of the familiar familiarity for me is that and the music too coupled with that is I feel like this is a group that I, I could be in this group I'm not saying that I'm a good enough musician to be in this group but being a, a white Canadian male who grew up in a somewhat rural setting as yeah. at least three of these guys did and, and at least two of them are from farms um, in kind of rural Ontario uh, I feel like yeah I, this could have been me uh, I mean I, I really fit in with you know these guys just kind of look like regular guys uh, the music they play is uh, very very comfortable i feel like it's could be just a bunch of friends or family members after a family gathering gone on into the living room or parlor or whatever and pulled out the piano and some other instruments and just started jamming and yeah and singing all singing harmonies um and that's another thing that seems so familiar that you know you and i grew up in a in a church where the background was that everyone could sing parts and we sang these old yeah. traditional hymns with four-part harmonies rich and we were just brought up in that no one ever taught me how to sing i just listened yeah. and yeah. you and i both learned to, to sing parts just by being a part of the congregation and and i think i hear a lot of that in this too so this picture for me really reflects that kind of just friendly salt of the earth average kind of guy which to me really 
is a picture of who the band was. They were just kind of they were it was a backup band, and they were like, "Hey, we can we can do this on our own." They were just regular guys. They weren't these flash. Even even their frontman Robbie Robertson was he was a frontman in terms of writing, but he like he still was off to the side on the stage. He didn't sing lead on any of the songs, and the other guy shared it. So, um, yeah, I I really like this photo. I wonder too. Like, this is not a, a photo that's trying to make them into rock stars or or um, no. heartthrobs. Like, they look pretty normal. Maybe even a little right. bit yeah. funny looking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and maybe that's what makes it feel like, oh, I can hang with those guys. <laughs> like, it's not. They're not. They're not yeah, trying to sure. like, <laughs> like show off or uh, uh, be something bigger than themselves. It looks very. Looks very rooted and grounded, which I guess fits well with the tone of this album. There's something about uh, Robbie Robertson's eyes and face. They're just his eyes are kind of I don't know. They just seem to shine a little more than everyone else's. The 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 lighting is interesting. Like I'm not sure where the light was yeah. on this day. It, it almost looks like the sun was just behind their heads so that they're he looks a bit like jude law doesn't he <laughs> he does kind of jude law jude law with a mustache <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh do you want to talk about tracks this might sure. take a while <laughs> there's some good ones yeah <laughs> there's some really good ones um we're we're in that uh 9 10 11 track sweet spot again uh, oh 12 yeah uh, scratch that scratch the... that <laughs> 12, 12 is the upper limit, but a lot of them are shorter. Yes. Like there's there's three that are over four minutes and the rest are three and a half. There's one under three. So they're all just very concise, which I, I talked earlier about how a lot of it's not radio friendly, but in terms of timing it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to list them out and then we'll talk about them. Side one is Across the Great Divide. Across the Great Divide. Just grab your hat and take that ride. Rag Mama Rag. Rag Mama Rag. I can't believe it's true. Rag Mama Rag. The night they drove old Dixie down. Upon Cripple Creek. Upon Cripple Creek. She sends me if I spring a leaf. She meant me. I don't have Whispering Pines. Whispering Pines. Side two is Jemima Surrender. Jemima Surrender. I'm gonna give it to you. Rockin' Chair. Look out, Cleveland! Look out, Cleveland! Storm is coming through, and it's running right up on you. <laughs> Just wanted to sing that one. <laughs> uh, Jawbone. 
unfaithful servant. Unfaithful servant. I hear you leaving soon in the morning. Album closes out with King Harvest has surely come. And unlike some other albums, uh, you say those titles and I immediately know the song that you're referencing. Like, I think they're pretty on the nose in terms of um, pretty. I think all of them are a line from the song. Yeah. Makes that a little easier. Um, But they do take you on a journey as well. These are not 12 tracks that sound identical either. And maybe that's another way that they they sort of stand out among themselves. Um, I don't know how... How do you want to do this? Do you want to just go through some of our favorites well, I, here, starting off? Or? <laughs> I was thinking about this before we started. I thought I, I don't know where to begin. I'll I'll say a couple things. Um, you talked about how they're all very different. I will say that even though Robbie Robertson is writing all the songs, the the ones where Levon Helm sings seem to have a very similar and specific feel. I wouldn't shock me if you know Robbie wrote this like okay this is this is another one for you but like to yeah. sing you know it 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 makes sense that he sings those his his the draw coming across in his voice is number one it's incredible but it really lends itself to the feel of a lot of the songs you know up yeah. up on Cripple Creek I can't imagine someone else in the band singing that you know the night they drove old Dixie down he's just got that laid back kind of. Uh, just the way his voice kind of slurs and slides a bit it's uh, uh it's just great yeah. um yeah earthy down uh, to, down to earth i should say maybe uh and, oh, and yeah. it's a little Gra- gravelly edges, you know which i think helps in in creating a sort of atmosphere to some of these songs i get confused we've talked about this before uh between sometimes richard manuel and rick danko um <laughs> their voices at times sound different, but at times sound very similar. And sometimes I think, oh, this is a Rick Danko song. And then look, oh, no, that was Richard Manuel. You know, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my wife has heard me listen to this album a few times and has commented that she uh, she really likes it. And particularly when I've been listening to a Rick Danko song, I said, man, he's got a really unique and interesting voice. I really like it. Just he can sing so high and his falsetto is so high to the point where you it almost sounds like it's going to crack like going to lose it but he never quite does and it's a really neat effect um, it's pretty but also reflective and unique at the same time very pretty songs and and that's not a word i use to describe a lot of the rock music we listen to but his his voice just adds that it's just it's just very beautiful um some of those songs whispering pines i think is you know, one of my favorite. Well, he doesn't sing that one, but <laughs> but it. But again, it's where Richard Manuel also does that as well. So I just want to talk about the vocalist a bit there. But what? It, well, I've said a few things. What? What would you want to say about about the tracks? One thing that uh, jumped out to me is that they're the organ is still present on this album, but it doesn't seem like a driving force the same way that it was on music from Big Pink. Um, uh, it's still there. I at one point I was thinking, 
the organ doesn't really show up until like the fourth or fifth track, but it's there. It's on, I think it's on almost every single track. It's just an accent piece rather than the sort of primary focus of most of these songs. And I think that's uh, a tone shift that makes me, um, uh, I don't want to hit a jump ahead to conclusions yet, but it, it makes me feel like this album holds up a little bit better sound wise, uh, having a little less organ forward music which is a weird thing to say about an americana album that sounds like it's from another era <laughs> but um right. but yeah we'll hold that for night for now um and there's some really great stuff here uh i think that uh, uh across the great divide is a really great opening track because i think it um it moves pretty quickly but i think it also gives a pretty good sense of the unique tone of this album and i think um just hearing that kind of gets me into a mood and i can tell right away uh, if i'm not really feeling it partway through that first track i probably need to switch to some other kind of album like like that's that's going to set the table for for the rest and if it's not if i'm not feeling it that particular day um nothing else on this album really will um they they do change uh pace every now and again there's some slower yeah uh, tracks here too uh but they also play around with timing and uh, uh jawbone is the one track that i think if we start specifically yeah. naming tracks um man that one does some really cool stuff it starts out kind of slow and droney um but then they mess around with the timing or, or change timings maybe uh, as they go into the into the chorus and it is just a really fun uh track that uh, I, I sometimes I can't wait to get there and, and kind of skip ahead to it. Um, I just think it's a <laughs> it's maybe the the jewel for me. It's not maybe not my favorite song, but it's the one okay. where I where I like thinking about how it was composed and why and, and that uh, musical run in the chorus. I just think is a brilliant piece of songwriting uh, that I, I don't know. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't describe what it is about it it's, that I love, but it, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really unique, and the timing is is strange and a little jarring at first, but it's got a cool groove to it, and it's one that if you want to, from a kind of musically intellectual perspective, can really kind of dig into. It's got a lot of meat there, um, and and it's kind of quirky too. It's yeah. it's a bit of a weird song. Yeah, it's very good though, and it's you're right. It is it is something special on this album. I I feel <laughs> not one that you can just kind of have in the background and bop along to necessarily, but it's really neat. Um, just recently, we were uh, up in Ontario, and so we had a six plus hour car ride one way and back again. And uh, I had this album uh, on my phone. I think uh, just as a Amazon Prime subscriber, it's in my in my uh, track list there and um, it does not sound as good in some digital compressions as as others Spotify I think the the um, remastered version that's there does have a better sound quality and I notice actually even more so when I've got headphones on that the the balancing and instrumentation mix when you're listening with headphones on is really really compelling in a way that right. uh, I don't hear quite the same nuance when I'm 
when I'm listening to that uh, kind of compressed uh, version. But all that said, it makes me wonder if this is a, an album that you're curious about how it sounds on vinyl and if it's one that you're desiring in your record searching. If I saw it, I would I would definitely pick it up, uh, especially if it was, you know, a vintage recording for a good price. Even some that have slight imperfections still sound really good. You know, if there's a little scratch on one of the tracks, it's still I still love listening to it. There's a richness to this album, not only in tone and songwriting, but also in instrumentation. And I love some of the I love the songs that have you know horns in them. The night they drove old Dixie down with the trumpets and tuba and other things, um, and other ones as well that have it's just a rich sound. Acoustic guitar and vocals have have a lot of different uh, textures in the sound, and that's something that vinyl's really good at picking out. So yeah, this would be a really good one on vinyl because of all those different sounds diverse sounds that they use on this album and music from Big Pink as well I think this one you hit on something there with the organ band this one's a little more fine-tuned like they just kind of honed in okay we're gonna do a little less of that we're gonna do a little more of this we're gonna just kind of zone in here a little bit as much as there is diversity and they use different timings there's there's different songs it does have I think a nice overall feel to it and sound and i think they really honed in i i i think this album even though it comes later on the list than music from big pink i think this one's more enjoyable to listen to and i think it's just a little more refined than their first album would you agree i think so and i i guess that happens uh with sophomore albums you know you you get a bit more permission if your first one's been a success to to take your time and to get things right um right. that pressure can make things flop too <laughs> and there are plenty of examples of that but but yeah i think i think this is a band uh you know we talked even in uh music from big pink about a band that has honed their craft on the road um and, right and it yeah. seems like the time between that album and this one they kind of really just just fine-tuned it i think that's the right the right phrase to to another level and it's built well uh and and very intentional i think too that each aspect of it that would be a good time you know i was going to ask you what your favorite track is but why don't why don't we pick our tracks for our spotify playlist and you can you could find this on spotify we've picked a couple tracks from each album we've reviewed and uh what, what would you pick from this there's a lot of good ones there are i think jawbone's probably my choice um okay wow cool i know that ignores the more familiar radio hits that people might have but i think it's the one i want people to hear uh that and it's yeah. probably that a song that's that most people haven't heard uh, unless you're a fan of this band yeah. yeah yeah i i hadn't heard it uh oh well then <laughs> you leave me with a lot of <laughs> Lots of other stuff there. Which song sung by Levon Helm am I going to pick? Because <laughs> those are like all the hits. I'm going to go with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Okay. So an obscure one and a, and a fairly familiar one. There's so many There's so many good things in that song. Uh, I love the story. I love the horns in it. I love the 
the the walking when everyone uh, copies the bass walking up to the to the chorus. Do 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 do. I love that that all the <laughs> instruments do that, not just the bass. Uh, there's just so many great things. I love Helm's vocal on it. Uh, anyways, any other songs you want to talk about um, that pop out to you? It's interesting what uh, Place does to to songs. Um, my mom is from just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, so I have no idea what Lookout Cleveland is about. But um, it's funny how you know just including a place name can make you feel some sense of nostalgia or tie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last album with uh, the Redondo Beach song on Joni Mitchell's album. I don't think I even said anything about that, but that was a beach town that we would pedal our bikes through on occasion and um even though the song patty smith not, yeah patty smith what did i say Joni mitchell <laughs> oh Joni mitchell yeah uh yeah it's getting later i guess um yeah so it's funny how just a place name is that near pasadena redondo beach uh it's a coastal town we would um we would drive our bikes to malibu or something like that just ride the the bike path all the way along the coast okay um, turn around and ride back nice um so yeah lookout cleveland's a a kind of a neat track that uh i think because of my familial ties to ohio uh uh, sure kind of jumps out to me other i think i think all 12 tracks probably are worth uh yeah (laughs) a listen um I think Jemima Surrenders probably the other kind of more hidden one, not a radio hit, but um, but one that I think has just like a really interesting vibe that I'd like people to listen to if they've if they've got a minute to give this album some time. I, again, the the guitar and the bass doubling and they they make it sound really like yeah. scratchy and dirty. I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it is kind of cool and the. The vocal, the harmonies on that are great. Um, another one that's almost feels like an epic story is King Harvest has surely come, and and I can't help but think of our friend and former guest of the show, uh, Jason Crane, who joined us for the last band album, and he uh, has worked as a, a union organizer. Yeah, it has yeah. a history of that in his family as well, and that's all about you know the union and uh, i love the line uh i love the union because she's so good to me um <laughs> you know that is funny because i don't know i guess it depends on where exactly you're from you're usually on one side of it or the other either you you love it because it's ruining it, things or yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it, it takes care of you and it, and it protects you or or you hate it because you're on the outside and and they're it's wrecking everything um, so that that's an interesting song telling the story from that perspective, which is one that I'm not familiar with, and I really like the the way it tells that story. I thought that song was all about Neil Young's Harvest album. <laughs> I thought Canadians just uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> helping each other out, get some street cred going. <laughs> the one thing that frustrated me with music from big pink was the selection for the opening track um, oh interesting i've praised it so and it was to tear it down really <laughs> uh, it just seemed like a weird it seemed like a weird way to open an album especially debut album with kind of a slower oh, oh, kind of sorry weird song. big pink yeah no i was thinking about this one but yeah go ahead I, oh I, oh I was, yeah well 
and and well that's a good segue because i i i really like their choice here across the great divide um it starts off a little slow but the chorus is really you know really bouncy you know do 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 that kind of thing you know it's it's good yeah. so yeah i think i like the placement of these songs um there's good contrast between tempo and feel and theme uh it's just it's not only are they great tunes i think it's laid out very well joan baez if you haven't heard it has a great cover of the night they drove old dixie down um the song was oh, okay. uh released just a couple years later in 1971 and it actually i think charted at number four so it was a bigger charting hit than anything oh, wow. from this album ever was <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> um uh, it has not held up in the same kind of way. I think I think uh, the band's version gets more play than than Jones ever did, uh, does today. Right. But it's it's a worth it's worth checking out if you like that song. Um, she kind of softens it oh, a little bit, will. but it's it's really cool. That, that's an interesting thing that we've discovered: artists and bands covering songs really, really close. Like we saw that with yeah. know, James Taylor yeah. and Carol King. Joni Mitchell, all you know, covering songs like within, sometimes within the same year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, having said all that, and and kind of gushing about this album, is it still relevant? This is a great question for this album in particular because yeah, I I feel like uh, <laughs> historic Americana uh, writing about the Civil War it was dated as soon as they released it in 1969. <laughs> um, but, right. but for a concept album and uh, sort of, uh, you know, something that if you're a fan of rock and roll or a fan of Americana or um, just good songwriting and musicality in general, like it's, it's really a fantastic album. So, huh, boy, I, I think it's one for me that, um, that is both dated and relevant at the same time. Yeah, I I don't think it passes the like, you know, would it play would people bop along to it if they heard it on the street or in a club? No, probably not. Um it is somewhat similar at least in in its uh sort of roots in Americana to more contemporary bands like the Avett Brothers or Dawes or or um maybe even right. Mumford yeah. and Sons. Um kind of a throwback sound uh even when it came out in the late 60s um so yeah i think i think it is still relevant and it's definitely something that i've really enjoyed over the last several months what about you it's a tough one for me because it's hard to separate sometimes is it relevant with do you like it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah (laughs) i really like it I want it to be relevant. I don't know if it is. I, I like what you said about some of those contemporary bands because I think that's where I like the reference to Avett Brothers because I really hear a lot of that in them. I don't hear a lot of their music, at least in the popular circles that I travel, uh, although I know they right. do have a, a following and it's great, a great band. I've seen them live. They're fantastic. Um I don't know. When I listen to classic rock radio, which we listen to pretty much all day at work, you know, they play the night they drove old Dixie down and up on cripple Creek and the weight probably every day. You know, they, I know they have their <laughs> playlists and they just, Canadian they just basically up. on shuffle every day. Right. Uh, 
outside of that, I don't know. I, I think in some circles, yes. Uh, in other circles, no. I don't know. Yes is not on this list. I think for the first time, I'm 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 gonna say, <laughs> ha. For the first time, I'm gonna say uh, undecided. Oh. I don't think I've said that yet. I I don't know. Uh, again, that's a hard one because it's like, well, from is it relevant? I think the other question we have to ask: from what perspective? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and all of this is subjective. We've mentioned that before, but you know, if you're really yeah. into pop music right now, no, probably not. If you're into rock yes. uh, and anything leaning towards folk or indie, then yeah, for sure. Uh, and if you're interested in you know music history and rock history and American rock history, then again, yes. So uh, maybe question mark. <laughs> Um, (laughs) way to be decisive yeah our friend alan reese mcdowell um wrote and produced an album a few years ago called uh i think the the title was stringer lake um sort of self-titled album and it's got a a very um kind of late 60s folk rock vibe uh crosby stills nash a little bit of the eagles maybe and i hear a lot of the band on that too um and that came out it, maybe it's been out for 10 years or so um, but I think I think what that tells me is that this is relevant in sort of niche spaces there are still people trying to recreate this kind of music it's just not at the top of the charts or you know it's not it's not what everyone is listening to but but I think we're also in a moment in time too where there's so much diversity in popular music right now that that there will be a niche that would say this is relevant um so maybe your maybe your uh question mark sound there i think is appropriate uh, because it's probably relevant for someone but but maybe that's a cop-out too i don't know we could probably say that about everything on this list um (laughs) go check out stringer lake if you haven't already (laughs) yeah the the album is on youtube this comes in at number 45. Is that sound logic for you, Ben? I'm surprised that this is here and music from Big Pink is all the way up at 34. I am I think I'd prefer to have those two swapped. I like them both. Yeah. I think they're both deserving yeah, of being higher up on this list. But I think for the sort of, uh, what did we call it? It wasn't necessarily polished, but like refined nature of this album. I think it deserves maybe yeah. to be up a little higher. Maybe the other got uh, placed higher because it was sort of a more of a breakthrough album for the band. Um, I don't know, but I think this is a better album than music from Big Pink. And um, I would I would like to see it go higher. I'm, I'm currently sort of debating uh, whether or not it could end up in my top 10 list i i like it a lot Ooh. and i think i think there's a chance that it might find a way in there so um we'll we'll have to see we've got a few more albums until we do this next re-ranking but yeah we'll let you know that's right yeah we're we're halfway there uh i agree with you i think that if you're gonna have a band album at number 33 or wherever that other one was i i think i'd rather have it be this one hmm yeah, and the cynical side of me says, was the other album there because of Bob Dylan's presence Ooh. in the making of it? Yeah, <laughs> mm. um, you know, and songs like uh, "I Shall Be Released," which is a Dylan song. Uh, yeah, I, I like what you said about maybe because it was a breakthrough album, but this one, plus the weight is such a 
such an iconic legendary song i think it kind of it almost dwarfs all their other songs even the really good ones by its reach mm-hmm. although there's some really good songs and some good singles on this album too so uh yeah i i could see this a little higher um it's very good it, it maybe the one thing that ho- would hold this back even if we didn't have music from big pink up there uh is the success you know it wasn't quite successful and i know that not all the albums we've talked about so far have been but there have again i've said there have been some that are just monsters in terms of success like shouldn't that should count for quite a lot yeah <laughs> again yeah, I know right, it was a voting right. system so that's it not necessarily about how successful it's about who how many people liked it the most you yeah know, that's how <laughs> we we got to it right or or how many people liked it the most or was important to them to vote for it so a little low for me i think just in terms of the song quality but not necessarily in terms of its success so unfortunately, this is the last album we're going to discuss from the band, which kind of stinks. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, uh, music from Big Pink at thirty-four, and this at forty-five, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad though for uh, f- for them to show up this high on the list. I'm curious though, have you listened to anything else um, in their catalog? I think both of us have admitted, while we like the band, you you went a much deeper than I did. Uh, you know, in the past several years, but do you, do you know any of their other uh, official releases? Not much, but I will say that Spotify brought up a song that I wasn't familiar with, but I listened to called Acadian Driftwood. And it's really got a kind of whispering pines kind of feel, which that was a song. And uh, Acadian Driftwood is a song from their 1975 album, Northern Lights, Southern Cross. So I did listen to some from that, and there's a couple songs I knew from that one, but Acadian Driftwood is another really special song. So um, I'd encourage you to check that out, uh, Ben. I think it's one you'd really like. Um, no, again, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with their whole catalog, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of gems there. Yeah, we've the the chronological order takes us next to Stage Fright, um, which has the shape I know, oh, okay. which is a fairly um, yeah. familiar song by the band. So uh, I'm curious. I'm I'm gonna try it and go a little deeper here and see if there's some other stuff out there that I might be aware of. I, I think this has been a great journey with these two albums. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to find more. Me too. Well, on that note, we want to thank you for listening one more time and hope you'll join us next time for an album that I know that Ben enjoys. Ben, will you tell us what we got up next? Yeah, coming in at number 46 on the 2012 uh, list of the greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stones voters, is uh, Legend, The Best of Bob Marley and the Whalers. We have not been too kind to compilation albums, so it'll be interesting to see what we think of this one. I think this is an album that every college kid owns at some point. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see how this goes when we tackle it up next on uh, the Sound Logic Podcast. Until then, Ben, you take care of yourself and everyone else out there. 
take care of yourselves as well. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, my friend. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.